Chapter Three of Joshua by George Ebers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three. Hornet, commander of the archers, was among the prophet's companions. Indeed, they were on terms of intimacy, for the soldier was a leader amid the nobles who had conspired to dethrone Pharaoh. As they approached Nun's ruined dwelling, the prophet pointed to the wreck and said, the former owner of this abode is the only hebrew i would gladly spare he was a man of genuine worth and his son hosea will be one of us the captain interrupted there are few better men in pharaoh's army and he added lowering his voice i rely on him when the decisive hour comes we will discuss that before fewer witnesses replied by but i am greatly indebted to him during the libyan war you are aware of the fact i fell into the hands of the enemy and hosea at the head of his little troop rescued me from the savage hordes sinking his tones he went on in his most instructive manner as though apologizing for the mischief wrought such is the course of earthly affairs where a whole body of men merit punishment the innocent must suffer with the guilty under such circumstances the gods themselves cannot separate the individual from the multitude nay even the innocent animals share the penalty look at the flocks of doves fluttering around the ruins they are seeking their coats in vain and the cat with her kittens yonder go take them becky it is our duty to save the sacred animals from starving to death and this man who had just been planning the destruction of so many fellow mortals was so warmly interested in kindly caring for the senseless beasts that he stopped his litter and watched his servants catch the cats this was less quickly accomplished than he had hoped for one had taken refuge in the nearest cellar whose opening was too narrow for the men to follow the youngest a slender nubian undertook the task but he had scarcely approached the hole when he started back calling there is a human being there who seems to be alive yes he is raising his hand it is a boy or a youth and assuredly no slave his head is covered with long waving locks and a sunbeam is shining into the cellar. I can see a broad gold circlet on his arm. Perhaps it is one of Nun's kindred who has been forgotten, said Hornet, and Bai eagerly added. It is an interposition from the gods. Their sacred animals had pointed out the way by which I can render a service to the man to whom I am so much indebted. Try to get in, Becky, and bring the youth out. Meanwhile, the Nubian had removed the stone whose fall had choked the opening, and soon after he lifted towards his companions a motionless young form, which they brought into the open air, and bore to a well, whose cool water speedily restored consciousness. As he regained his senses, he rubbed his eyes, gazed around him bewildered, as if uncertain where he was, then his head drooped as though overwhelmed with grief and horror, revealing that the locks at the back were matted together with black clots of dried blood. The prophet had the deep wound, inflicted on the youth by a falling stone, washed at the well, and, after it had been bandaged, summoned him to his own litter, which was protected from the sun. The young Hebrew, bringing a message, had arrived at the house of his grandfather nun, before sunrise, after a long night walk from Pithom, called by the Hebrews Sukoth, but finding it deserted, had laid down in one of the rooms to rest a while. Roused by the shouts of the infuriated mob, he had heard the curses on his race, which rang through the whole quarter and fled to the cellar. The roof, which had injured him in its fall, proved his deliverance. 
for the clouds of dust which had concealed everything as it came down hid him from the sight of the rioters the prophet looked at him intently and though the youth was unwashed wan and disfigured by the bloody bandage round his head he saw that the lad he had recalled to life was a handsome well-grown boy just nearing manhood his sympathy was roused and his stern glance softened as he asked kindly whence he came and what had brought him to tanis for the rescued youth's features gave no clue to his race he might readily have declared himself an egyptian but he frankly admitted that he was a grandson of nun he had just attained his eighteenth year his name was Ephraim, like that of his forefather, the son of Joseph, and he had come to visit his grandfather. The words expressed steadfast self-respect and pride in his illustrious ancestry. He delayed a short time ere answering the question whether he brought a message, but soon collected his thoughts and, looking the prophet fearlessly in the face, replied, Whoever you may be, I have been taught to speak the truth, so I will tell you that I have another relative in Tanis, Hosea, the son of Nun, a chief in Pharaoh's army, for whom I have a message. And I will tell you, the priest replied, that it was for the sake of this very Hosea, I tarried here and ordered my servants to bring you out of the ruined house. I owe him a debt of gratitude, and though most of your nation have committed deeds worthy of the harshest punishment, for the sake of his worth, you shall remain among us free and unharmed the boy raised his eyes to the priest with a proud fiery glance but ere he could find words by went on with encouraging kindness i believe i can read in your face my lad that you have come to seek admittance to pharaoh's army under your uncle hosea your figure is well suited to the trade of war and you surely are not wanting in courage a smile of flattered vanity rested on ephraim's lips and toying with the broad gold bracelet on his arm, perhaps unconsciously, he replied with eagerness, I, my lord, I have often proved my courage in the hunting field, but at home we have plenty of sheep and cattle, which even now I call my own, and it seems to me a more enviable lot to wander freely and rule the shepherds than to obey the commands of others. Aha, said the priest, perhaps Hosea may instill different and better views. To rule, a lofty ambition for youth. The misfortune is that we who have attained it are but servants whose burdens grow heavier with the increasing number of those who obey us. You understand me, horn-necked, and you, my lad, will comprehend my meaning later, when you become the palm-tree the promise of your youth foretells. But we are losing time. Who sent you to Hosea? The youth cast down his eyes irresolutely, but when the prophet broke the silence with the query, and what has become of the frankness you were taught? He responded promptly and resolutely. I came for the sake of a woman whom you know not. A woman? The prophet repeated, casting an inquiring glance at Hornet. When a bold warrior and a fair woman seek each other, the Hathors are apt to appear and use the binding cords. But it does not befit a servant of the divinity to witness such goings on, so I forbear farther questioning. Take charge of the lad, Captain, and aid him to deliver his message to Hosea. The only doubt is whether he is in the city. No, the soldier answered, but he is expected with thousands of his men at the armory today. Then may the Hathors, who are partial to love messengers, bring these two together tomorrow at latest, said the priest. But the lad indignantly retorted, I am the bearer of no love message. The prophet, pleased with this bold rejoinder, answered pleasantly, 
I had forgotten that I was accosting a young shepherd prince. Then he added in graver tones, When you have found Hosea, greet him from me and tell him that Bai, the second prophet of Ammon, sought to discharge a part of the debt of gratitude he owed for his release from the hands of the Libyans by extending his protection to you, his nephew. Perhaps, my brave boy, you do not know that you have escaped as if by a miracle of double peril. The savage populace would no more have spared your life than would the stifling dust of the falling houses. Remember this, and tell Hosea also from me, by, that I am sure when he beholds the woe, wrought by the magic arts of one of your race on the house of Pharaoh, to which he vowed fealty, and with it on this city and the whole country, he will tear himself with abhorrence from his kindred. They have fled like cowards, after dealing the sorest blows, robbing of their dearest possessions, those among whom they dwelt in peace, whose protection they enjoyed, and who for long years have given them work and ample food. All this they have done, and, if I know him aright, he will turn his back upon men who have committed such crimes. Tell him also that this has been voluntarily done by the Hebrew officers and men under the command of the Syrian Arsu. This very morning, Hosea will have heard the news from other sources. They offered sacrifices not only to Baal and Seth, their own gods, whom so many of you were ready to serve, ere the accursed sorcerer, Mesu, seduced you, but also to Father Ammon and the sacred nine of our eternal deities. If he will do the same, we will rise hand in hand to the highest place, of that he may be sure, and well he merits it. The obligation still due him I shall gratefully discharge in other ways, which must for the present remain secret. But you may tell your uncle now from me, that I shall find means to protect none, his noble father, when the vengeance of the gods and of Pharaoh fall upon the rest of your race. Already, tell him this also, the sword is wetted, and a pitiless judgment is impending. Bid him ask himself, what fugitive shepherds can do against the power of the army, among whose ablest leaders he is numbered? Is your father still alive, my son? No, he was born to his last resting place long ago, replied the youth in a faltering voice. Was the fever of his wound attacking him? Or did the shame of belonging to a race capable of acts so base overwhelm the young heart? Or did the lad cling to his kindred, and was it wrath and resentment at hearing them so bitterly reviled, which made his color vary from red to pale, and roused such a tumult in his soul, that he was scarcely capable of speech? No matter. This lad was certainly no suitable bearer of the message the prophet desired to send to his uncle, and by beckoned to Hornecht, to come with him under the shadow of a broad-limbed sycamore tree. The point was to secure Hosea's services in the army at any cost, so he laid his hand on his friend's shoulder, saying, You know that it is my wife who won you and others over to our cause. She serves us better and more eagerly than many a man. And while I appreciate your daughter's beauty, she never tires of lauding the winning charm of her innocence. And Kasana is to take part in the plot? cried the soldier angrily. Not as an active worker, like my wife, certainly not. She will be ill-suited to such a task, replied the other in a calmer tone. She is scarcely more than a child. Yet through her aid we might bring to our cause a man whose good will seems to me priceless. You mean Hosea? asked the captain, his brow darkening again, but the prophet answered, And if I do, is he still a real Hebrew? 
can you deem it unworthy the daughter of a distinguished warrior to bestow her hand on a man who if our plans prosper will be commander-in-chief of all the troops in the land no my lord cried hornet but one of my motives for rebelling against pharaoh and upholding sipta is that the king's mother was a foreigner while our own blood courses through sipta's veins the mother decides the race to which a man belongs and hosea's mother was a hebrew woman he is my friend i value his talents kasana likes him yet you desire a more distinguished son-in-law interrupted his companion how is our arduous enterprise to prosper if those who are to peril their lives for its success consider the first sacrifice too great you say that your daughter favors hosea yes she did care for him the soldier answered yes he was her heart's desire but i compelled her to obey me and now that she is a widow am i to give her to the man whom the gods alone know with how much difficulty i forced her to resign when was such an act heard of in egypt ever since the men and women who dwelled by the nile have submitted for the sake of a great cause to demands opposed to their wishes replied the priest consider all this and remember that hosea's ancestress he boasted of it in your own presence was an egyptian the daughter of a man of his own class how many generations have passed to the tomb since no matter it brings us into closer relations with him that must suffice farewell until this evening meanwhile will you extend your hospitality to hosea's nephew and commend him to your fair daughter's nursing he seems in sore need of care End of chapter 3